Hello, and welcome to the 13th Hour Podcast. This is your host, Joshua Blum, and this is episode number 429. And uh, today, we're going to be talking about the new Dungeons & Dragons movie from 2023, and my brother Jeremy joins uh, for this one. He had told me about it uh, a number of months ago. It came out over the summer, and when I remember seeing the trailer, it looked okay. I don't have as much background as he does uh, recently. I just know what Dungeons & Dragons was portrayed as when I was a kid in the 80s, and so I'm familiar with some of the ads and some of the books, but just not as much in terms of the actual game and the lore and stuff like that. Um, when I went to see it, I think, uh, or I went when I went into it, I probably had less backstory and so forth. And uh, the the trailer for it was not necessarily the most inviting, but it just goes to show that you shouldn't always judge things by those superficial types of previews that you get, like the taglines and the posters and the trailers and so forth, because. You never know. And uh, I think we, we both quite enjoyed the movie. And uh, so I'll cut away to that without uh, saying more to it. And uh, let that speak for itself. Hey, from across the pond, I'm having my brother back. And, this is me. Uh, Jeremy. Once again, on the 30th Tower Podcast, the only yeah. podcast you need. So today we're actually talking about, we're, we're, we usually do an older movie when we get together to talk about fantasy movies. But today we're talking about a new one that just got out of the theater. And we're talking, it's the Dungeons and Dragons movie, subtitle, Honor Among Thieves. Yes, uh, not the 2000s Dungeons and Dragons movie starring Jeremy Irons and, was it one of the Wayans brothers? I don't remember who else was in that I movie. So. I, I, I've never actually seen that one. I've only seen clips of it. It looks like um, hot shite. Uh, but um, yeah, this, one, this, this one's it. pretty good. I, I did see it. It's like... Yeah, you're right. Jeremy, let's see. Dungeons and Dragons 2000. Yeah, I remember it being relatively shit, but there was there was another one, I feel like. There's, yeah, there's been some direct-to-TV sequels. There's been it's, like uh, at least three direct-to-TV sequels. There's been like a Dragonlance movie in there as well. Yeah, um, there's not, a Dungeons and Dragons. Very good. Dungeons and Dragons 2012, The Book of Vile Darkness, which I don't know if that's, that's a... Uh, that's a uh, that's, reference. That's the name of, yeah, it's the name of an actual like evil spell book in the game. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think any of those were exactly top tier films. We're talking about like sci-fi channel original movie quality, I believe. Yeah. And there's a Dungeons and Dragons 2005, Wrath of the Dragon God. Yeah. All these things, these tend to get like mid fours out of 10 on IMDb. So, I mean, they... And then, then the I think the original one, or the two thousand one, that gets a three point six. Uh, yeah. But anyway, well, this this one's a new one, a high budget one, and it's pretty good. Uh, I, yeah. I liked it quite a lot. I, I I expected it to be very bad. Um, right. We could talk about the marketing. I did not like the marketing for this movie at all. I thought it was weak. I did not expect it to be good. I went in thinking it was going to be like a mediocre marvel movie and i was pleasantly surprised Um, and i think it is actually quite similar to some of the movies we have talked about because parts of it do have a very 80s vibe um and and i think it has like that spirit in the right place and i was very happy ultimately with the film that came out right uh it reminded me i i actually thought of that same thing because it reminded me of a film that probably would have been marketed for the whole family in the 80s 
because mm-hmm. there was uh there was you clearly could watch it as a kid but there was some minor adult content like they say sh- they say shit a few times and which was yeah. like fairly common in like pg rated movies in the 80s and then uh there's like some like more there's like some you know violence and some adult kind of themes and situations so i think you could you couldn't you could um rationalize that it's you know for kind of everybody uh in the same way that a lot of the films that you know were considered like family or pg rated films in the 80s kind of were so and it has like a kind of like a campy sense of humor to it yeah, it's it's not too serious but it, it also doesn't make fun of the brand right um and I was afraid that it was going to do that. I was afraid it was going to be full of one-liners, like right. how some of the Marvel movies are. You know, I was afraid that we were going to have scenes where, like, the, I don't know, where where you'd have a rogue character, like, backstab someone, like how you do an actual D&D game, and yell out, like, sneak attack, because that's, like, what you can do in the game, or, like, uh, critical hit, or something. Like, I was, uh, I was afraid there would be very cringy <laughs> things like that, yeah. which would appeal to the people who have played the game, but would not translate well on screen, and they did not really do that. Uh, they right. kept it pretty heartfelt and pretty genuine. And you feel like the movie believes in itself, which it could have been far worse, I think. Right. I thought initially they were going to go for the the sort of thing where it's a world within a world, world within a world or kind of thing where you have people outside who are playing. Me too. That, like Jumanji, like that yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, like a I thought it was going to be that, or like the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon, where it's kids on a ride who get sucked into the D and D world, and those kids yeah. actually show up in the movie, they right? Cameos. Yeah. Um, but they didn't do that. They just did a Forgotten Realms story, and I think that's fine. I think it's yeah. a good idea because there's a million stories you could tell of the Forgotten Realms. There's been a bajillion novels. Um, I originally thought that they were going to do well. I wanted them to do a movie or a series based on Dritz, the the dark elf character uh that you know we you know about him right you know mm-hmm. those books yeah, yeah you, you you read one of the 13th hour podcasts i think um okay. so I, originally I had no idea what do. i was reading but yeah. yeah yeah i originally thought they were going to do a thing about him because he's got a story that would be good for a series or movie but they didn't they did original characters um but they did, and they did a good job they made him likable and now these characters they've gotten like official D stats and stuff like that you can see them online and it's kind of fun to to, to see that yeah that's cool i mean maybe um Maybe it might be interesting to talk a little bit about sort of the the backstory because the movie can be enjoyed certainly without understanding sort of the the background history about the the world it's in. But I think certainly when I was growing up, like Dungeons and Dragons was I think in I think it was called Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, and you would see ads mm-hmm. for that all over the place. And then every now and then you would see ads for things like Forgotten Realms, and it would be in comic books and. Um, I guess it must have been like the player's guides or something like that, mm-hmm. like the the manuals to actually play D&D. But that sort of stuff comes up in this game or then in this game, in this uh, movie a little bit. And yeah. uh, do you do you have a uh, how much do you think that that extra stuff adds to the watching of this movie? Um, I think it added a lot for me. Like the yeah. movie takes place in the Forgotten Realms, which is one of the D and D settings. There's a whole bunch of different settings um, that you could use to play the D and D game. And Forgotten Realms came out in '87 officially. Oh, so it, okay. Yeah, it came out for second edition D and D, I believe. Maybe it was first. Maybe it was the tail end of first edition. But you would remember probably seeing Forgotten Realms ads because it quickly became one of the most popular Dungeons and Dragons settings. 
um, just because there's a lot you could do in the Forgotten Realms. It's a pretty expansive realm, and there's a lot of you know interesting races that you can play as, a lot of interesting monsters, a lot of interesting uh, set uh, areas you can visit in the game. Um, and it was created by Ed Greenwood, who is a librarian who lives in Canada and apparently a pretty cool guy. Uh, I have friends that have actually met him. Uh, he is he created a character called Elminster the Wizard. Who, oh, right. Who may or may not be actually featured in this movie. Like one of the characters, Simon, is alluded to be a descendant of Elminster. And I don't know if the scene in the movie, you know, that scene where Simon is attuning to the helmet and he yeah. meets like an ancestor. I don't know if that's meant to be Elminster or not. I'm not sure. Uh, it could be like Elminster is usually portrayed as white. This guy was portrayed as black, which is fine. But um, it, it's sort of it, it, they flat out state that Simon is a descendant of Elminster at one point. Oh. And I don't know if that was meant to be Elminster or just a member of the Elminster family tree. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But Ed Greenwood created a character called Elminster the Wizard, who has also had a bunch of books written about him. He's one of the big characters in the Forgotten Realms. Drips kind of like Gandalf. Like yeah, kind of, kind of like Gandalf. Um, Dritz, the Dark Elf, another big character in the Forgotten Realms. So a lot of lore has been built up in the Forgotten Realms over the years. The Baldur's Gate games take place in the Forgotten Realms. Um, and currently in Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition, the Forgotten Realms is sort of like the default setting oh, okay. uh, where most of the adventures take place. And there, there are other settings too. Before the Forgotten Realms, there was Greyhawk, which is the personal setting of Gary Gygax, one of the creators mm -hmm. of D&D. There were a couple Greyhawk books that we owned as kids. If you go to mom and dad's room and look at the spines of some of the books that are in my shelf, yeah. you'll see the logos of the various things. There's like Forgotten Realms. One of them says Greyhawk. Oh. Um, was another one called Spelljammer, which is like D&D in space. Um, Ravenloft was like the D&D horror setting. And so D&D at this time branched off into all these different settings you could use if you wanted like uh horror fantasy versus sure. epic fantasy versus space fantasy or whatever and forgotten realms is sort of like your kitchen sink heroic fantasy you can kind of do all the tropes are there um it's what you might think of when you think of dnd some people don't like it because some people don't like this flavor of dungeons and dragons uh but i've always enjoyed the forgotten realms and it has its flaws but it is a very interesting setting um one of the main flaws is that really like i always joke that like basically like only one small corner of the forgotten realms is detailed it's the basically the corner where this movie takes place the sword coast which is like the western coast of this continent Faerun, and it's where all the cities like Baldur's gate neverwinter um icewind dale the snowy place where the movie yeah. takes place that that's where all of this is located and, uh -huh. and most okay. most of the forgotten realms stuff takes place around that section of the world um people get annoyed because they're like what about all the other parts of the world they don't receive as much attention but like most of the stuff is right there like the dritz novels yeah. mostly take place in icewind dale up north and along the sword coast uh, the Baldur's gate games take place around Baldur's gate the city and there's some other parts that are detailed but the sword coast section is the one that's got the most oh interesting okay stuff written about it all yeah. these these different worlds that you talk about are they connected like like different continents or something like that or is it like no no it's, 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 it's like a multiverse sort of thing you can connect yeah. them if you want to um there is another setting called uh planescape there was a famous game called planescape yeah, planescape Torment. yeah the planescape setting is supposed to it's like a it's like a nexus of all realities like it's a, it's a city of doors and when you open a door you can walk out into another setting like it connects all the settings together 
to uh -oh. this like nexus point. So technically there is a way to connect them, but when they were created, they were just the personal settings of the guys that made them. This was Ed Greenwood's home world that he used for his oh, own D &D games. And it was the home world that he was creating as a child back in the 60s. Yeah. Uh, Greyhawk was the home world of Gary Gygax. For us, the home world would be our 13th hour world. I see. Okay. Yeah. So th th that's that's how they came to life. There's, there's a whole bunch of D&D &D worlds that were basically created by the folks who were just homebrewing stuff at their gaming table and making up cool fictions. And yeah. now, yeah. Uh, I believe The Forgotten Realms was submitted to TSR, which owned D&D &D at the time, by Ed Greenwood, or they might have held a contest or something like that, because I think Ed Greenwood published articles in Dragon Magazine yeah. back in the day, and they were holding like a contest for a new setting that they could actually publish and make books of, you know, make, make a starter set for people to, to to jump in and onboard them easily. And Ed Greenwood was like, oh, I've got this Forgotten Realms setting that I've been creating. And that's how it became codified in actual, I see. officially published Dungeons & Dragons products. Mm -hmm. It would be like if you were like, hey, I've got this 13th hour setting. And then suddenly they, they bought it from you and they're like, okay, the 13th hour, like... And then right. now all these yeah. products are branded the, the 13th hour setting. So so it, it's cool in that way. Um, it, it kind of plays into the fact that games like this are really owned by everybody and you can make something very awesome in your head and then suddenly you're seeing it on the big screen. Like yeah. Ed, Green, Ed Greenwood tweeted that he was seeing the realms on the big screen. It was a real magical experience for him. Yeah. Even though they, they did not, to the best of my knowledge, I don't think they thanked him in the credits and that pissed me off. They said... Uh, I, I, he might have gotten special yeah. thanks at the end, but in the credits it says based on Hasbro's Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, I saw that, and I was like, "What? Hasbro owns this? Hasbro owns Wizards of the Coast, which makes Dungeons and Dragons." Yeah. Uh, but I feel like I feel like it. Sh I feel like it should say based on Wizards of the Coast Dungeons and Dragons at the very least, based on Ed Greenwood's Forgotten Realms setting, because because that's where it came from. Um, huh. and I, I, I haven't watched the end of the, the very end of the credits. Maybe they gave him a, a shout out or a special thanks, but Ed Greenwood did tweet saying that he didn't see his name, but he was still very happy to see his world on the big screen and, and as he should be like, that's incredible. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That would be really cool. But, uh, yeah, technically he does not own the Forgotten Realms anymore because he sold uh -oh. it to DSR who then were acquired by Wizards of the Coast. Let's see. He's still, he's. He still apparently runs uh, a campaign in his own original version of the Forgotten Realms. Like he's been running a campaign for years, and I think his Forgotten Realms is actually quite different from the officially published one. Like it, it's become something else, right? Uh, yeah. Now that it's sort of out there and owned by different people, um, but he's the guy that came up with these original cities and and, and places that are mentioned in the movie. Yeah, I'm it's, looking in the I'm looking I'm looking in the credits of the movie now, and I don't see his name. I, let's see. Well, this is on uh, on Twitter. I guess it's now for, now X. Yeah, Twitter now X. Yeah, he says. Uh, I guess this is must be him, Ed, Ed Greenwood. Yeah, Ed Greenwood. Yeah. Uh, Edverse. I didn't see myself in the credits, but couldn't see the end very well. Thanks to folks getting up and leaving, blocking the view. Uh, did see Kim Mohan's name and teared up because we just lost him. But I did. He see was Kim Mohan was an editor that worked on Dragon Magazine and several Dungeons and Dragons books in the eighties, nineties, and two thousands. Yeah, I did see my realms brought to life in the big screen shows. Well, which yeah, yeah, and that's all that matters. <laughs> he says, if folks who never knew about D and D or worse thought of that satanic game go away from the theater thinking, okay, so that's what the kids are playing down in the basement. Neat. Okay, then 
I want to make a movie all gamers can be happy with. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, they, they should. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Ed, I mean, Ed Greenwood got paid uh, back in the day. He he is, you know, but he's he's like he's not a rich man. He's a regular dude. Yeah. Um, he's he's a librarian that lives maybe in Ontario or something like that. Like, uh, he's he, he's a humble guy. And if you go to his various social media pages, it's mostly just him like tweeting out random lore bits of the Forgotten Realms. Like yeah. his tw- his Twitter is just him tweeting out little Forgotten Realm stories. Yeah. Um, and I think it's very sweet in a way that what he created has become this massive thing that eventually made its way onto film. Uh, the original D&D movies that we were talking about did not take place in any of these established settings. They were not in the Forgotten Realms. They just came up with right. their own thing for the film. Yeah. Um, this one takes place in the Forgotten Realms. And if you remember the comics that we grew up with, we grew up yeah. with Forgotten Realms comics published right. by DC. Yeah. Those, uh, if you go back and read those, those are on the Forgotten Realms. And, and those are pretty entertaining if you actually start reading them from the beginning, which I did recently. The sure. feel is the feel is very similar to this movie. Um, group of adventurers going on a epic mission across the realms. Uh-huh. Yeah. I wonder now, interestingly enough, so the the D that of course that I knew growing up was the D D cartoon. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wonder if because they, they do have a cameo from the the characters from that cartoon as I guess adults in this uh, in this movie, um, in two spots. And so I wonder I'm curious now, did they did they somehow reference those guys those uh those creators yeah i don't think um the dnd cartoon specifically took place in any uh in any one of these established worlds um but i think it's uh i think they might have given special thanks to maybe the creators somewhere in the credits but i i don't know if they didn't give it to ed greenwood i'm not sure if they gave it to the creators of the cartoon yeah Let's see. It's, it's interesting because the the uh, well, well, we'll talk about it. The uh, but the characters make a little cameo, and it's sort of um, their fate is unknown in the in the movie. Yeah. I guess. So, but yeah. anyway, well, maybe you know, it's 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 interesting to think about that all of these things were Dungeons and Dragons property because I, I never really pieced it together in my head as a kid because I remember seeing those Forgotten Realms comic books, and I had like one or two of them uh like to look at the pictures didn't understand it um I remember seeing in the uh in the bookstore when you would go there you would see forgotten realms and those kind of things like that uh the only other D thing i officially had was i guess those uh, endless quest books which i don't actually know well actually i have a few of them here i uh, think some of those might take place in established settings but i think because those were also written for a younger audience they might have just decided to not be beholden to any sort of existing continuity yeah. and just kind of publish for young readers, make them generic enough that young readers can immediately jump on and understand things. Yeah. Um, some of them, I don't think they're, I don't think they were, I have holding one. Yeah. Some of the later, uh, the later endless quest books, um, they, cause they resurrected the brand, I think in either the late nineties or yeah. the early two thousands. The later Endless Quest books do take place in like Ravenloft, Forgotten Realms, Greyhawk, Spelljammer, settings like those. Yeah. The only other reference I recall was Dragonlance. Yeah, Dragonlance is another big popular setting. It's a world where um, there's lots of dragons and there's a constant war going on. It, it, it's sort of like Game of Thrones, that kind of epic political constant war raging yeah. fantasy. The feel is slightly different. Uh, I think back in the 80s, the most popular settings were Dragonlance and Forgotten Realms. Yeah. 
and then of course the video games a little bit older remember seeing all those different video games like the the Baldur's Gate ones and yeah. so forth. I remember seeing the ads for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, not not really knowing what they were. They they looked cool. I never played any of them. But um, yeah. the the uh, what was it? Never is it Neverwinter Nights? Is that Neverwinter Nights? Yeah, Neverwinter Nights. And uh, this movie takes place in the city of Neverwinter, so it's the same place. Um, is that is that the prison? No, Neverwinter is the city that that's holding this big festival in the in the film. Um, oh. uh, yeah, Hugh Grant's character, yeah, Hugh Grant's character okay. Forge. Yeah, that's Hugh Grant's right. character okay. becomes the Lord of Neverwinter. Oh, Neverwinter. Okay, I didn't the connect. Prison, it yeah, the prison is called. I think it's called like Revel's Keep. Yeah, uh, and it's it's a heavy duty prison located in Icewind Dale, which is oh, the, okay. snowy, the snowy snowy land part. where the Icewind Dale trilogy starring Drift the Dark Elf. That that's where it takes place. I see. Okay. Yeah. Was that a game as well? I think that was a game. Wasn't Icewind Dale? Icewind Dale was... I'm oh, sorry, it's called Revels End. I just looked it up. That's the name of the prison. Icewind Dale was also... They also made a game called Icewind Dale, where you okay. play in that snowy environment. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was like a, that was like more of a hack and slashy Diablo sort of action RPG, whereas Baldur's Gate was much more of the traditional like right. party members, turn-based combat, uh, you know, based on second edition Dungeons and Dragons rules. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, so, I, so it, it, it is yeah. a little confusing, I think, because like Dungeons and Dragons itself is not a setting. That is the brand that all these right. settings go under. Yeah. Um, and that's like other game, like Pathfinder, for instance, is a little different. Like Pathfinder has just one setting. Um, but Dungeons and Dragons has a whole bunch of little ones. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this yeah. movie could have also been subtitled Forgotten Realms, Honor Among Thieves. Right. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, I think the the interesting part of well, many interesting parts, you know, of this sort of thing is like the the feel, the the feel of I think the movie was I think sort of similar to the feel of the cartoon in that it was it didn't really take itself terribly seriously, and so it also fits with uh, the I think the way the at least the games I've played the D and D games I've played the way mm-hmm. it kind of tends to go where yeah. Uh, the there's there's a lot of like unexpected kind of situations that occur based on random chance or whatever, and then you have to adjust to it. And mm-hmm. so I think that part kind of was I don't know if that was intentional or not, but I I, I, think, I think so. Was, yeah, I think it's I think it's meant to mimic the feel of a D and D game, a party getting into unusual scrapes and then having to uh, hack their way out of them. Yeah. Should we go through the plot a little bit? Because I mean, the plot yeah. is, not, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a heist movie essentially. Mm-hmm. So it's fairly straightforward, but it might be interesting just to kind of like, so we set the stage and set the characters uh, so we can keep them straight. So I think the main character is uh, this guy named Ed, right? He's sort of the, yeah. the prototypical, I, I guess he would do the, the, you said the character class would be a bard, right? Yeah, like, he's a bard. Yeah. Chris Pine's character, Ed, yeah. is a bard. And um, uh, he's not quite like a bard in the games because bards in the games usually have magic. Yeah, he doesn't like they spin songs with their magic, and he, Ed doesn't really do that. But he he has like the charisma of a bard. He's got a lute. He sings songs throughout the the game to cheer up his party members. Like he he is the bard character, right? And he was sort of like I don't. He was not quite like the fighter kind of character, but he's yeah. He's not, he's not a fighter. You know, s- sort of. Um, Sort of your 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 typical kind of like leading man, and um, mm-hmm. the story centers around him. He was a I don't know was he a knight or something? This thing called a harper. Yeah, the, the, like the harper is military a... paramilitary kind of thing. 
not really military. It's more like uh, it's a faction of do-getters. They're described in the in the books as kind of like a not really spies, but they're just a group that tries to do good along the Sword Coast, which is the region that this takes place. Yeah. Uh, in some of, in some of the like the the modules available for the game, like you can become a member of the Harper's faction. It's like a reason why you're adventuring and doing stuff. Um, yeah. So like he's he's basically not really so much a knight, but kind of like a member of a honorable like a paladin. Um, is that is that a paladin or something? Was that what it be called? Not quite a paladin because they're not like paladins are usually holy, like yeah. beholden to to a, to a deity. So these these guys are more just beholden to the general sense of we need to we need to do right by the world, um, stop wrongdoing in its tracks, and and just be good. Yeah, he's trying to have like a. Like an ex cop, kind of like that kind of character, where he was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, kind this, of, yeah, 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 yeah maybe yeah. not quite military, but but something where it's involved in protecting other people, and then yeah, he yeah, yeah. decided to go rogue. Yeah, he he goes rogue because his wife bites the bullet, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah so his his uh, he has he has a wife and he's a daughter and he's but then he starts kind of like skimming off the top, I guess you could say, uh, and then he turns to a life of 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 crime yeah well his his wife is killed in a um wait isn't it uh his wife is killed in a like a oh yeah yeah he he steals from the red wizards of fey uh which is a group of evil wizards in the forgotten world fey is like this um kind of like dictatorship kingdom to the east ruled by wizards and like half of them are undead that that, that, that's the whole thing and so yeah. I think he steals from them and then his wife is killed as revenge and then he just falls into depression. He's got like a little right. daughter. And he, right. he falls into drink and then he meets Holga, the barbarian character played by Michelle Rodriguez. Did it ever say why he started to steal their stuff? I, I don't remember why. I mean, it, it, he, it um, that he like, he had this thing going with the Harpers. He didn't feel like it was, he was sort yeah. of, wasn't he sort of protecting those red wizards or something like that? He felt it wasn't worth or something no, and... I, th- I think i think the because he's a member of the harpers but he doesn't have that much money like it's a very noble cause but he does he's not supposed to like he, he doesn't get paid very well that's essentially the long and short of it and so yeah. i think he's he's tempted to like steal things and then the red wizards um for payback time they kill his wife and then he gets even more depressed and then he goes and basically becomes a thief along with uh, along with his barbarian friend. Yeah, it, it kind of seemed like he was like, maybe not necessarily Robin Hood, you know, robbing from the rich and giving to the poor. He was like robbing from the rich and giving to himself. Um, more that, that's, eventually what, that's eventually what he becomes with Holga and their and his daughter. That's what they become. But it seemed, yeah, but it's also seemed initially when he starts like taking stuff from the Red Wizards. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the Red Wizards, they're kind of like the 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 man right they're like the people in power or something like that and they represent like yeah they're 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 like they're, they're basically a group you should you're not supposed to fuck with you yeah know, you know you should, don't steal their stuff they'll, they'll get you yeah so that and then that happens and so he you know he assembles a band of folks who you know help him steal stuff basically mm-hmm. right there's so there's like uh there's holga who is the i don't know she's like the tank of the group yeah like, she's, she's a barbarian barbarian yeah. tank very much barbarian character right um fighter um yeah there's a simon simon sorcerer simon the sorcerer not not the character that stars in the video game series simon the sorcerer uh but he is a half elf sorcerer 
supposedly supposedly descended from Elminster. They say he is a descendant of Elminster. I don't know if if later on he has a vision where he talks to like an old guy. I don't know if that's supposed to be Elminster, the movie's version of Elminster, but he is descended from Ed Greenwood's character. Okay. Apparently. The rogue character, uh Forge. Yes, Forge the con man played by Hugh yeah. Grant. He is a con artist. He is like the villain of the film because right. he really he really screws over all of his old teammates. Right. Um he becomes the uh, Lord of Never uh, Lord of Neverwinter eventually and, and the whole plot revolves around breaking into his castle and then stealing back this artifact that Ed can use to resurrect his dead wife. Yeah. Um and then the yeah, Hugh Grant the, does a good job playing him. Yeah. And then then the the Sophina character who is the Red Wizard, was she part of the original team or was she just kind of like Join later. No, she was she was someone that I think they worked with on a job. Yeah. Uh, in the beginning, remember they're working with her on a job, and I think their job was to she wants to steal that horn, that red horn thing oh, that her yeah. boss That's that her right. boss can use to like turn everyone undead. Yeah. So she hires their crew for a job. Yeah, that's right. And, and during pretty- the job, she focuses too hard on getting the horn, and they end up killing a bunch of people. And Ed is like, "We don't kill people." And then she, to that's right, keep people from chasing them, she casts a time stop spell, which is an actual D and D spell, and everyone gets stuck in it, and it all goes to crap. Yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah, she's she's like the the the, the villain, uh, the other right. villain of the movie. The only one who doesn't get stuck in that spell is the rogue character, right? The the Hugh Grant character. Yeah, Hugh Grant character. Yeah, he gets out. And, and then so Ed entrusts his daughter uh, to Hugh Grant to look after, and he does. He does look after. Her. He primarily looks after himself, but yeah, he, he does look after. Her. And then Ed and Holga get tossed in the can. Yeah, and they're there. Yeah, for- I, I I quite like the first scene in the movie where they're escaping from the can, and he's uh explaining his backstory. And then he comes up with this elaborate plan to jump on Jarnathan. Jump on Jarnathan. Wait, is, a, is Jarnathan an official character or something like that? No, Jarnathan, so Jarnathan's an Aarakocra, which is like a, a flying eagle dude. Uh, and I just think it's funny because there's this joke that when you want to improvise and come up with a name for like an NPC, if you're a DM, you just like pick a regular name and slightly make it fantasy. So Jarnathan is his actual name, J-A-R-N-A-T-H-A-N. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like Jonathan, but then yeah. it's a Jarnathan. I just think it's funny. Okay. And then, like in the beginning of the movie, they they're literally pleading their case in front of a council. Then their whole plan is dependent on Jonathan coming in so they could jump him and like crash him out a window and fly to safety, which yeah. is very much like a a D&D player sort of thing. We're gonna do this. This is what we're gonna do. We're gonna like yeah. tackle the flying dude and jump out the window. Right. Um, and then it's revealed they didn't even have to do that because the council was going to pardon them, but they do it anyways. And yeah. then it's references like a funny twist at the end of the film where the Hugh Grant character Forge is now in the same prison and tries to do the same thing to Jonathan. They keep screaming out his name, Jonathan, and then fails because they set up a wall where the window was. Yeah, that was um, actually one thing I thought they did very well with this film because they had a lot of callbacks that, that tie it in a loop. And so that was one of the little callbacks where they at the beginning of the film, starting with with uh, Jonathan in the in the prison, and then it ends basically with him there. So yeah. um, my favorite character actually was Jonathan. <laughs> Jonathan's really funny, and the best part is he's animatronic. He's an actual. Oh yeah, really? He's an, yeah, he's an actual animatronic uh, slash yeah. guy in a guy in a costume. He's That's, not CG. Really? That's they, cool. Yeah, you can go on Twitter and just type Jonathan. Well, I think there's a lot of Jonathan memes now. But yeah. because a lot of people like him but you can look at the D Twitter and they were showing 
it's a like the costume they made it's a guy in a suit slash an actual animatronic and i don't think he's cg at all i think they actually filmed them riding on him like swinging from a from a from 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 a from a rope um and it's really funny like it gives the movie that 80s quality there's a lot of animatronics um jonathan and a couple other characters are all animatronic and and there's you know there's there's some obvious cg for the bigger creatures but a lot yeah. of stuff is not cg right yeah i thought that was i i, I know i don't know if jonathan actually talks or not but he talks a little bit because i was rewatching it with subtitles he says oh i'm sorry for i'm, I'm sorry that i'm late and then oh, okay uh, ed runs up and squeezes him it's like jonathan he's like oh unhand me and then they just go out the window <laughs> But I just remember him uh, go, like getting crashed out the window and he's like squawking. Rah! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I thought that that was hilarious. Um, he reminded me a lot, actually, of uh, Tim Ferriss's Cockpunch characters. Yeah. Have you seen, yeah, have you seen those? I've not seen Cockpunch, but I, I get the vibe. Yeah. So basically, I, I, so anyway, Tim Ferriss was a guy that we went to school with and um, and danced with. And he, uh, he, he has a uh i don't quite understand the world of nfts i just I, it's something i don't quite understand but um it's a bit of a grift that's what it is <laughs> well he created a uh a world basically i because based on his own uh, experiences with i think dnd as a kid grew up in a similar time and he created this world of uh basically like chickens i guess that are they, mm -hmm. they they have they look like humanoid chickens and they have a head of like a a chicken or a rooster and then they walk on two feet so they look exactly like jonathan and yeah. so if you go into cockfunch.com um just uh and you can put that in you can see all kind of these images of similar types of creatures so nice yeah, yeah. jonathan is great i i also like jonathan that's one of my favorite characters too yeah so they they're in the prison they escape from the prison by uh by you by not basically crashing jonathan through the window and knocking him out as he does actually fly for a bit mm -hmm. uh but they they get out and they uh they end up in the icy you said it was icewind dale that's what that yeah, it's icewind dale mm -hmm. okay so they yeah. they end up in that region and so they have to go from there to to the south south i guess basically yeah and they the the movie is basically reassembling so it's kind of like a one of those movies where you have to assemble a team yeah they're they're they revisit their old team members yeah and they find that forge has double crossed them well he's now the lord of neverwinter the city um and he has basically adopted ed's child as his own but also kind of brainwashed her and told her that her dad yeah. was a piece of shit and you know the reason the whole reason they got caught was because they were her dad agreed to the heist because he wanted this tablet of resurrection which he could use to bring back his dead wife like a magic yeah. item basically yeah. a dnd magic item um and forge lies to his daughter says no your dad was only in it for the riches and so when you know th th that's the main i think heart of the movie the relationship between the ed character and his daughter and like trying to get her back and that's the reason for the whole heist thing uh, Ed and Holga and later Simon and the other characters they assemble want to break into the castle of Neverwinter, get that tablet of resurrection so that Ed can get his wife back. And he also wants to get his daughter's trust back as well. Right. I kept waiting for the movie to kind of like not be not have the characters be as kind of like wholesome, <laughs> I guess, because it's a very like. I don't know if it's simple, but it's a very like wholesome reason, I guess, to go through all this stuff, like reunite with the daughter, you know, get his 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 wife back. I mean, there's it's there's hints that 
oh, it's just about money and stuff like that, but that's not really the motivation. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, so in that, in that sense, it's, uh, it's very, um, very kind of sweet. So very sweet. It's very 80s. Yeah. Very 80s. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, he's not he's not like a gritty like uh i mean he, he could be like bitter and you know like ah i f the world but uh, but he's not really so it, yeah it's, it's not really and and there's a lot of little sweet moments like that like the holga character uh yeah. she is she's separated from her husband and they visit that husband at one point like her husband's a half halfling he's played by like uh bradley cooper in a surprise cameo remember that scene yeah oh that's bradley cooper isn't it yeah it yeah is. that's bradley cooper yeah really I, similar okay. at one point they visit um holga's old house to see her husband who is who is the halfling like that they, they, they chose the funny um so in third edition dungeons and dragons halflings were presented as just little micro humans um, i was surprised yeah. that they weren't presented like just like fat hobbits they're presented as little micro humans and so that's the version they went with i guess because they didn't want to go in the same direction as the Hobbit. So like he just showed this little micro human. I was, I was very amused to see that they went with that version of the halflings. Yeah. Um, I was confused and, by that. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah, no, he's like, wait, he's are, little, is everybody giants or something? Or I don't know. No, no, no. He's, he's, he's just a little micro human. Yeah. Um, he's a halfling. Um, there's a couple other halflings throughout the movie. Anytime yeah. someone's really small, they're, they're halfling and yeah. they, they talk briefly and like he's, he's moved on because, um, you know, Holga led a life of drinking and, and he said it was too much for him but they still have a very kind of respectful relationship mm -hmm. even for separated people uh, and i thought there was another sweet moment in the movie yeah and from that visit they get this cool item which i don't know is is a dnd &D item but they he get they get this staff that can create portals between places the hither thither hither thither staff? I, I think it's called that hither thither, thither. Yeah, it's hard to say hither thither staff yeah but it creates a portal and you can go in the portal and go out like 500 yards away it i think it's an item now because of the movie i don't know if it was an item before the movie oh okay but it's an item it's an item now it's it's a cool it's either way it's a cool idea and and yeah it's, it's a very cool idea basically uh, complete their heist without that i don't think yeah. they would be able to live through the whole thing yeah mm -hmm. which is it so so it's a very cool cool idea so yeah it's it's a, a team assembly movie and once they've assembled sort of this i guess super team they they then you know have to basically create a plan and series of sub plans to you know get back ed's daughter and uh, rescue get this artifact to to resurrect ed's wife mm. so we have the what, characters are yeah what do you think of the other characters that that join up in the team yes yeah, so we have we have ed the bard we have holga the barbarian we have um doric who you said it was a druid yeah, she's a druid. Uh, she, she's 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 like uh, she has horns and a tail. Like, what's that? Is that a character? She's, she's a, a tiefling. So that's a that's a new okay. playable race. Tieflings are uh, basically um, half devils, like human and a devil. And so she has devil blood in her, hence the horns and the tail. Um, in in a lot of art now, you can Google tiefling. Usually, they're like they've got red skin or like blue skin. They went with a more subtle depiction of her where she just kind of looks like normal but she's got horns i see and and it kind of hints that she was like outcast or something like that and then these elves took her in or something like that she is a member of the emerald enclave which is another faction like the harpers in the forgotten oh, realms okay. it's okay. like the radical protect nature people basically uh, oh, the okay. eco terrorists eco yeah eco terrorists <laughs> um so i believe they introduced her when she 
is freeing one of her fellow Emerald Enclave. The Emerald Enclave are usually elves, but I think, yeah, I think they did take take her in and she's introduced. She's a shapeshifter, which is what Druids can do. And she shapeshifts into an owlbear, a classic D&D monster, to protect her uh, her elven friend. And, you know, they managed to convince her to join them because they need her wild shape powers. Wild shape is the Druid feature. Uh, and actually, she... So she, she, you can't wild shape into a druid in game. Like you can only wild shape into a beast, which are classified as like you know stuff. She does transform into like a mouse, a deer, uh, like a like a little insect. An owl bear is classified as an aberration in game because it's two different animals melded together. They were created by magic owl bears. So when the movie's trailer first came out, they showed her transforming to an owl bear. All these people were like, "You can't do that in a game! Like what the hell?" Um, but I think they've, they've changed the rules now for the upcoming new edition of D&D where you can transform to an owlbear precisely oh. because of this character. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. interesting. Yeah. So you can transform into lots of different things. And uh, I remember you 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 enjoy the you enjoy the owlbear action. Yeah, I do like the owlbear. I think Doric, actually, the she has one of the best scenes in the movie where they show her in her wild shape where she's infiltrating the castle. Yeah. And... And then she has to get out. It's like all one shot of her transforming into her different animal oh, forms, cool. escaping yeah. the castle. That's I thought cool. that was a very, that was a very cool scene. Yeah, yeah, that that that's cool. Then then the rogue character, I mean, is, is Forge. He's he technically becomes the bad guy. Um, yeah, he's a bad guy. Yeah, and he he does well as a bad guy. We have Simon the Sorcerer. Um, uh, let's see, Zank the Paladin. Yes, Zank the Paladin. Yeah, he shows up halfway through, does his thing, and then leaves. I like yeah. it. And it comes up at the very end. Yeah. Um, let's see. I let's see. I I thought it was interesting because as I was watching the movie, I inevitably had some comparisons to the original cartoon. Mm-hmm. So in the original have you seen the cartoon? I've seen bits and pieces of the cartoon. I haven't properly yeah. sat down and watched yeah. it yet. So the cartoon actually, the characters of the cartoon actually do show up in this um in this movie in, in small bits. Uh but there was the main character who is kind of like, I guess he would be like a ranger. His name is Hank, and he carries a bow. He's dressed. Yeah, in- Hank's Hank the ranger. Yeah, Hank's the Hank's the ranger. And then uh, there's a little kid named Bobby who is the barbarian character. Bobby was the barbarian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is kind of like he's kind of like the, I think for the Holga character, what they ended up doing is taking like, the like sort of. Well, we'll 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 get to the comparisons in a second. So then there's also Sheila, who's the thief. She has a cloak mm-hmm. that makes her invisible. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's Diana, who's the acrobat. And there's a guy named Eric, who's like the cavalier, I guess he's called. Which I guess yeah, cavalier, cavalier, and acrobat were not really main character classes in some yeah. versions of the game. They're like subclasses, like archetypes you can become. Acrobat is a little. They kind of made that one up for the cartoon, but Cavalier definitely. In later, in some versions of the game, you become a Cavalier. You 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 have like your steed, and you fight on horseback, stuff like that. I don't right. think Eric in the cartoon ever had a horse. So he just I called him Cavalier. He, I don't even know if yeah. he has a sword. He has a shield though. Yeah, a sword shield. I'm yeah okay. So he they yeah. kind of they kind of just made that up for the cartoon. But yeah. right, and then there's Presto, who's the magician. So mm-hmm. uh, interestingly, so Simon the sorcerer in the movie is very very similar to Presto the magician in the cartoon. So yeah. they're both you know magic wielders, but they both like screw up most of the time. More often than they probably actually get successful, although mm-hmm. they are successful sometimes, and they both struggle with their own self confidence. And um, so they're actually very similar in in many ways. I think the character of Holga 
who is the barbarian, like the fighter is kind of like a combination maybe of like Bobby, who is the barbarian, and then Diana, maybe, who is the acrobat mm-hmm. in, yeah. mm-hmm. in the cartoon. That makes sense. Um, the bard character, Ed, is, is even though he's a he's a bard, I mean, he's probably more similar to, I think, Hank, and he leads the team. Mm-hmm. He's kind of yeah. like the, the planner and, and sort of the unofficial leader, I guess. And then... They got uh, that little unicorn. Sheila, Sheila who is the thief, um, kind of was like, I think, Doric, because she's... Yeah. Uh, like they, they both had red hair. They both can um, do magic things. They're kind of similar in, 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 in sort of what they, the role that they have. So, so there was some actually, problems, in, I think in the movie, the uh, Ed's daughter, I think her name is Kira. She has an amulet of invisibility. Yeah. So she does similarities too. there. Yeah. There's also the, the, those kids had that unicorn, they have the baby unicorn called uni that they, right. they run around with. So right. I don't think that, that, that didn't make it into the movie. Right. Yeah. So, so it was kind of kind of interesting the um that they they chose some some parallels even though the actual characters themselves actually do show up at the sort of towards the end as a as a cameo. Yeah. I mean I think I think a lot of it has to do with the whole idea that these are all characters centered around a specific class in the game and there are some parallels that you can kind of the different classes all tend to have certain tropes associated with them. Like the barbarian characters are always going to be good fighters, always going to rage, always going to get angry and be the tank for the party. The sorcerers are going to have magic capabilities and stuff like that. And so, yeah, they, they definitely, I think both the cartoon and now the new movie drew from that pool and tried to make archetypal characters that represented at least the, yeah. the, the ideas behind the classes if not the, even if there were certain subtle differences, like for example, the, the druid technically can't turn into an owlbear or the, the bards in the game technically have magic at the disposal, it's stuff like that. Um, but yeah, the, the archetypes of the classes are there, they are in place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did you think of some of the other creatures? Because uh, that's that's the, the, all the monsters and stuff like that. Um, kind of. Is... Yeah, so I, I liked the monsters. There's a lot of little... Uh, uh, there's, you see a lot of monsters from the game at various points like they're uh sometimes they're just glimpsed briefly in in, in little scenes like you can see uh these gigantic birds uh, that have axes on their beaks they're called axe beaks um, and they're they're in the forgotten realms you can see like rust monsters which are these little bugs that chew uh, metal and can eat your shield if you're not careful you see them in one scene as well when they're uh, so in the midpoint of the movie, they have to go to the Underdark, which is like the uh, underground subterranean region of the Forgotten Realms, which is where Dritz, the Dark Elf, comes from. They have to go down there to get this helm yeah. that they need to break past this magical seal in uh, the Neverwinter Castle. And so yeah. you see them in the Underdark, and there are these little brains on legs moving past them. Those are called intellect devourers, and those are very similar to how they are in the game intellect devourers will latch onto you and siphon all the intelligence away from your mind and the funny thing is like zank tells them oh these are intellect devourers they're attracted to mental energy you know the higher the intelligence the more they'll sense you and the characters all press up against the wall and intellect devourers just move past them and and then ed is like well that's a bit hurtful but it's actually because none of their character classes rely on intelligence as a stat 
Um, the bar the bard relies on charisma. Barbarian relies on strength. The I think the sorcerer also relies on either wisdom or charisma. Uh, the druid is charisma. None of them rely on intelligence. The stat oh, of the game. So it's a cool little in joke for anyone who actually bothers to analyze these sorts of things. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, I wonder. And then, and then also in the underdark, they run to Thumber Thumber Chart, the, the uh, yeah. pudgy dragon, who. Uh, I ran into in a D and D campaign. He's oh, a, really? He's That's like a real a, character. Yes, he's a character. He's a dragon that you can run into. Uh, there's a campaign called Out of the Abyss that takes place in the Underdark, and he is a dragon, a fat dragon that controls a city. And I think this movie takes place after that campaign, like the city has fallen and he's gone to find a new nest, uh, which is what Zenk says. But my character actually like negotiated with and talked with Thumberchard in a campaign. We we all called him like Thunder chonk instead like we couldn't remember his name we just called him thunder chonk the dragon um but he is he's the same sort of well he's a little different in the film actually in the film they depict him as sort of like a mindless ravenous dragon he's not like that in the game he was he could actually talk um and you could you could negotiate with him and do stuff for him like he he he, he asked our, our party to do a couple missions for him um so I, I don't exactly know why they portrayed him as like this mindless ravenous dragon i don't know maybe maybe thunder Thumberchaw uh, suffering from like a, a sugar fueled uh, high. I, I don't know. Interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, I I, li- I liked seeing him in the film, but I had some issues with his portrayal. Uh-huh. Felt, uh, if yeah. you actually have run to him in the game, it felt a little odd. Um, his but cool that they brought his, him in there. His fate is sort of un- unknown. He just sort of they escape. Yeah, they the, they the escape him. They escape him, and and he and he's stuck underground. I mean, he's 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 supposed to be like. A, I think his stats are, he's like a high level dragon. They weren't going to be able to kill him. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But he's, he's quite popular now because of the movie. Um, what other creatures were in there? Isn't there? I thought there was a um, a beholder at one point. Was it? Was it a, be, no, I, there's no beholder. The beholder's in the original D&D movie, the 2001. Oh, I thought, I thought, yeah. I could have sworn there was in the trailer. No? Yeah. No, there's, there's no, there's no beholder. But later on, when, they're in the actual arena. So the movie later, uh, Forge in, in his role as the Lord of Number Under, he's hosting like these, these these games that are basically like he's like the dungeon master and he creates like a maze yeah. for people to run around in. Right. Uh, which is kind of cute. And that's where you see the other kids from the, the, the kids from the D D cartoon. They're like other contestants in this maze. Right. But the there there were displacer beasts, which are those cat yeah. things with the tentacles on their back. Yeah. Those are um those are classic D and D monsters based off of a pulp story from like the twenties, I think. Huh. Um, yeah, let's see. I'm looking it up on Wikipedia. They were, yeah. So they were originally based on a 1939 science fiction story called The Black Destroyer, which describes a feline-like creature called a coral. If you look up coral, C O E U R L, uh. You can see images of the creature online, and it's since become a a a, a monster in the Final Fantasy games. Also, uh-huh. sorry, you need to look up Coral and oh, Black I, Destroyer. I Interesting, Black Destroyer. Black Destroyer is an old pulp story, and <laughs> I I read it not too long ago. And the original illustrations that accompany this pulp story, it's exactly the same monster. It's it's a displacer beast full on, and it's kind of cool that. That monster has now lived on through D and D. Interesting. Um, so I was happy with those, and then they have Gelatinous Cube, uh, another classic D and D monster, a big 
cube. Yeah. They jump they jump into the cube at one point to to get out of the, the dungeon maze death trap at the end. And but what, what is that then? Is like a trap of some kind or is it actually living? It's an actual living like hunk of ooze. Um and and it, it just moves in like a it doesn't really have much intelligence, but it just moves based on what it can detect around it and absorbs things and slowly eats away at them. Uh, um, okay. And the longer you stay stuck in it, the more acidic it is, which is why I think they need to jump out uh, before they, they start breaking down and disintegrating. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, let's see. What else was there? There was, talked about the owlbear. Uh, there was these things that, um, I, there was some kind of bird that kind of reminded me of uh those uh those things in Final Fantasy, the choco yeah the choco bows. Those th- those are the axe peaks that I was talking those are the about. Axe peaks. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Trying to think what. So, else? Yeah, it, it, I think that's it. Actually, there's a pretty good selection of monsters. Oh, um, the um the cat creatures, uh the there was oh yeah there were so, cats uh yeah there's ant- anthropomorphic cats. cats. Those are tabaxi. Those are a race of of, of okay. uh, feline people. So you can play as those in the game. Um, those are also animatronic. I thought that there's a scene really? where they meet, yeah, where they meet Zank, the paladin, yeah. the lawful good paladin. He's he's the character is the epitome of lawful good because when you meet him, he's actually like saving a baby from a fish that that tried to eat it. Yeah. Um. So he saves the little tabaxi baby, and th- that baby they showed another behind the scenes video on Twitter. That baby is a little animatronic model. Um, really? Which yeah, yeah, if you look at it closer, it moves in an animatronic manner, and I think the the tabaxi adult is someone in a suit it, it's they try to use as much animatronics as possible which is really cool really um and there's dragonborn which is another playable race so those are anthropomorphic dragon people you see a couple of those yeah like a beggar yeah. at one point and there's one of the people on the council in the prison yeah. in the beginning is also a dragonborn i like dragonborn a lot i played a dragonborn character before and they were all prosthetics and uh guys in suits interesting I totally didn't. Uh, I thought that was all CG. No, they're all prosthetics, and I, I, I was very pleased to see that. If, if you rewatch it, they move in kind of a they move in a very AD sort of manner, uh, prosthetics manner. Oh, also in the beginning of the prison, you see a snake person as well. They're called UNT. They're snake people in, in the game. If you, it's it's a very quick like blink, and you might miss it. But there's a snake person behind the bars. Oh, okay. Yeah. Saying okay, so there's a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that yeah. I mean, if I think if you saw it and you were familiar with it, you would pick it up. That's yeah, interesting. I mean, even even like I think without necessarily understanding those things, you just kind of accept it as is. Like watching like Star Wars or something like that. It's like oh, okay, mm-hmm. some kind of different race of yeah. So yeah, cool. So lots of cool creatures. Um, at the at the end. Uh, there is sort of a epic battle between an owlbear and I don't know, it's like a stone dragon or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah. The uh, the main villain Sophia, she I forget which spell she uses, but she animates these stone gargoyles and yeah, um, yeah it gets them to do her bidding. And all this, yeah, I, I don't know what spell it is, but all the spells that they use in the in the movie are kind of basically based on spells that you can find in the game. Um, this one that like puts like a bubble into the characters. Uh, around the characters and pre- prevents them from taking damage and I f- that's called like resilient sphere in the game i think uh-huh. um and so a lot of people online had fun when the movie came out highlighting the spells they used and and mm. saying oh this is that or that is this and i think that's fun i i don't 
play a lot of spellcasting characters, so I actually don't know the names of a lot of them. But um, like I think Simon the Sorcerer uses Big Beast hand at one point, which is he creates like a spectral hand, like a big hand out of something, and uses it to fight Sophia at the end of the movie, or maybe it's the other way around. Maybe she uses it against him. But there's a lot of little. They think they both. They think they both do it. Yeah, yeah which is cool. It's like arm wrestling or something. Yeah. 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 Did you have a? We talked about my favorite character. Who's your favorite character? Um, so yeah, I did like Jonathan, but I did like Zank, uh, because he's yeah, he, yeah, yeah, because yeah, he's like he's sort of the like lawful good goody two shoes, but kind of funny. Like yeah. they portray him in a very funny sort of manner where he's just so straight laced it becomes kind of uh endearing. Like at the like and, and he 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 reminds me of a character controlled by the DM. Like he joins the party very briefly, helps them get the thing that they need to get in the Underdark. Is supremely powerful. Like the DM is just like he's like an overlevel DM character that's just saving the party's ass. And then he 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 just fucks off after when he, when his role is done. He's like, all right, you don't need me anymore. Time to leave. And just walks off along the beach. And a lot of people were like, oh, that's the character controlled by the DM. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> the DM is using him to explain this elaborate trap, this bridge they need to cross. Then one of the players is like, oh, fuck it, I walk on the bridge. It's like, oh, the bridge collapses. Well, good job. Like, it's that that sort of vibe. And I think for me, because I, I, I am often the, the the game master, that that was pretty funny to see. That's interesting, yeah. Um, and he's a paladin, right? Is that what he's it is? He's a paladin, yeah. He's the epitome of a paladin, a, a lawful good uh, champion of the people. Right. Um, he is... Also, he is from Thay, the uh, uh, the same place that the, the all these red wizard bad guys come from. But he is he is like a good person from Thay. He is he is there to show you that they're not all evil. And I think right. Ed has some trouble with that because because Ed's a little bit uh, a little bit prejudiced, perhaps. But but yeah. you know he's he's so good that eventually even Ed has to acknowledge that uh, he's not so bad. Right. Yeah. He has a traumatic story. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I found out actually that. That Zank was originally in the very, very early drafts of the movie. Zank was supposed to be Dritz, Dritz the oh, Warden. Okay. He was supposed to be Dritz, but they changed him uh-huh. probably because they figured that such a well known character might distract from the story that they were trying to tell, which has, you know, that's fair. Yeah. The, the, yeah, that's true. Yeah, they create a new character, which is good. Yeah, they create yeah. a new character. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also like the character of Simon. I thought, yeah, Simon. I thought he was a fun character. I enjoy this. I especially enjoy the scene where they. So the way Simon is portrayed is very on point with how spellcasters are portrayed in D anD. d He has like a little, a little thing on his belt that he needs to like turn whenever he casts a spell. Oh. So we, whenever you you cast a spell in D anD. d You need like a bag of spell components that are like the implements that you need to use to cast a spell, and you need to make uh, somatic uh motions with your hands and also verbal things you need to say the words of the spell mm-hmm. so he does that every time he casts a spell and at one point like a character actually covers his mouth and he can't finish the spell because he is not able to say the necessary words so that was all very accurate to, to how you you're a spellcaster in game yeah and the scene i like the most with simon is when they're they're using his uh his amulet he uses to to, to talk with dad i thought that was pretty funny Oh yeah, yeah. They're talking with all these corpses to try to figure out the location of this item, and then they keep asking. They can only ask them five questions each, and they keep asking like questions that 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 use up all their questions. Right, right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I enjoyed that, and and it was uh, 
The only the only thing I, I think they I don't know if this was a I seem to remember something like this in the cartoon as well, but uh, they kind of portray Simon as the lovable, incompetent kind of character um, who has a crush on someone else. So he has a crush on the Doric character, which mm-hmm. um, I, I understand they always want to inject like a little bit of a love story in in these things. Like there was that was the only kind of like cringe part of the film, at least for me, it was like that 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 kind of that relationship there like a, 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 i feel like a, a lot of what he ended up doing and saying were a little bit a little bit on the cringe side because the um the 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 doric character was kind of portrayed as kind of like a you know sort of like a wall of bricks or whatever you know when it yeah she's, she's not she's, kind of loose. She's, she's not that intent yeah he's, he's kind of a lovable and competent trying to you know so but that, that's that's also part of his story i think like he he eventually learns to like use this powerful yeah, he has a good he has a good arc yeah yeah he has a good arc he, he learns to he attunes this magical helmet and realizes his true potential by the end of the movie right i guess i, I feel like they didn't necessarily need the the love the, the love story to do that because he gets the he he kind of learns uh to believe in himself which i think i feel like might happen might have happened to some extent in the cartoon as well presto the magician like i mentioned was very much the same kind of thing it was the exact the, the almost carbon copy and then he get, there's this funny scene where like he's talking to his grandpa or whatever that 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 character is who always mm-hmm. um, kind of tells him like, "Oh, you're you're an ass," you know. Yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. yeah. Shame in the family name, and he punches him in the face. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, I thought that 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 part was like his his uh, his arc was kind of the uh, like a little bit more dramatic. Like I'm not sure that the other ones, how did the other ones really have much of a character arc? Like Ed Morales uh, is the same. I mean, he gets his daughter and everything like that, and he, he, he gets, gets his, the, yeah, he gets his daughter back, bit. and I think it's it's like kind of coming to terms with with his his family and i think holga you know she almost dies at the end of the movie and then ed uses the tablet of resurrection to resurrect her instead of his wife and i think that's that's ed's arc he learns to like let his wife go oh, um, yeah. and he learns to like accept the fact that he's found a new family to replace the, the replace right. the one that died um so i think ed and holga their whole arc is kind of like that like holga also moves on like she like she sees her husband and the life she left behind and kind of moves on and there's whole the whole idea of like having a found family out of the people that you travel with people that you live with not necessarily a blood family but a found family um doric the the druid is probably the most like she doesn't have as much of an arc as the others because she's kind of just there she is kind of aloof and sort of uh doesn't have as many emotions but i mean maybe her arc is is kind of she learns she was to open up a little bit by the end of the movie, right? By having having doing all these crazy adventures with these people, you kind of, kind of let herself um, in and be, let, let yourself go a little bit, yeah, yeah, be not so yeah. uptight. And then, yeah, Forge he gets his comeuppance towards the end. Yeah, Forge gets his comeuppance towards the end. Uh, uh, yeah, what else? Yeah, same with same with Sofina, and uh, and then Zank, he's just he's like you know. Zang yeah. is just perfect. Like he's a DM like, character. He doesn't. He, he doesn't need an arc. He's just there he just to like show does up. His thing. The... He shows up at the very end. Yeah. That, that, that's the DM. That's the DM's character. That's the character yeah. that if you're the DM, you can just stick in any campaign. Like, all right, you know, Zang comes to save the day, and then he's he's busts out again, and he's there. He is. He's there for a quick cameo, kicks some ass, yeah. and he's done. Yeah. He's like the Terminator. He's like, I'm back. Yeah, I'm back. <laughs> and he, yeah. Walks he, out. Says it, he says it with like a charming smile, and and yeah. you know. Uh, he heals babies as he does it right yeah uh let's see what other thoughts do you have on the D movie um yeah so i i enjoyed it 
it, it surpassed expectations, like I said before. I don't think this movie's marketing did it any favors because, I mean, I remember sending the first trailer to you and we both agreed it looked pretty bad. Yeah, well, what, what, well, yeah, I remember it was sometime in the summer or something like that. But uh, I know you probably would have seen it anyway, just because it's D and D, and you know, it's just probably has yeah. some connection to it. But uh, what were you, you were you expecting uh, based on the trailer? I was expecting it to be like Guardians of the Galaxy, which is another kind of these movies where it's like a bunch of misfits come together. Have you seen Guardians of the Galaxy? The Marvel I, mean, I, saw, I think I saw the original one or part of the original one. I, I, yeah, the I, first I, one. To be honest with you, I kind of like, I don't know if I made it through the first one. Yeah. Yeah. It, there's there's um, a lot of like, you know, sort of one-liners and stuff like that. And I, I, I wanted to, I, I didn't have any connection to the, it's based on a comic book, right? Yeah, it's based on the comic. So I, I didn't have any connection to any of that kind of stuff like that. And I was like, well, I don't understand what's going on, really. But I, I did watch part of it. Yeah. Um, and, and that movie has like a lot of stuff in the 80s in it that theoretically should appeal to you, like 80s songs and stuff like that. Yeah. But it does have a lot of one-liners. It does have a lot of like... Chris Pine plays the main dude, Star Lord, and I don't. I'm not the biggest fan of Chris Pine, and I don't really like Star Lord that much as a character. Is it Chris and, Pratt? I think it's Chris Pratt, right? Oh, sorry, Chris Pratt. Not yeah, not, not I get too many same. Chris's. Yeah, Chris yeah. Pratt. Not the same. Um, guy or, or... So Guardians of the Galaxy is fine. Like, I I I like them more in the comics than I do in the movies. Um, I, but I was these days. Anytime you watch a, like a movie, like a genre film with a whole bunch of people coming together. And they're kind of a dysfunctional family. People are like, oh, it's like Guardians of the Galaxy, and and that's what people would describe oh, this yeah. movie as. They're like, oh, it's Fantasy Guardians of the Galaxy, and I was like, I don't want it to be Fantasy Guardians of the Galaxy because I didn't like Guardians of the Galaxy that much, and it wasn't like it felt a lot more heartfelt and wholesome to me than Guardians of the Galaxy. Even though you could say Guardians of the Galaxy is heartfelt and wholesome, but to me, this movie just felt a little bit more earnest. Um, I I get really annoyed at a lot of the one-liners and especially yeah. Marvel movies. Um, I, 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 a lot of that, that style of writing, I just do not like it very much. And every time I watch a film in the cinema and you gotta crack a joke after every scene to add some levity to it, like it pisses me off. This movie had that, but not in a way that pissed me off. Like it felt more like a wholesome eighties movie. Like it felt like a movie they don't make anymore. Like that, that was, that was the feel. Right. Um, and I think for me, it just felt a little bit more earnest. And uh, the trailers did not communicate that. The trailers made it feel like a Marvel Guardians of the Galaxy type movie. And so that's why I was not expecting anything good. Yeah. Yeah. I think with, with I haven't seen too many of those Marvel movies, but when I have seen some of them, it's it kind of seemed like there were people writing to be funny, but it wasn't that funny. And they were writing for like a different audience who was not their own. It, like it didn't feel consistent. Like it felt like they were just writing for cheap laughs, if anything. But it wasn't that funny. It, it's Sometimes, sort of like yeah. what Saturday Night Saturday Night Live sort of has turned into. It's yeah. like, it's, is this funny? So there's a portion of the population that probably thinks it's funny. I I, I find it. I'm going to give it courtesy laughter, maybe, but it's not that funny. <laughs> I don't know. It's sort of more cringy. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. I I um. It's just the way, the the style of writing these days, and sometimes it works for me. A lot of times it doesn't. Yeah. This movie has some of that, and the trailers, you know, once again made it look like it was all of that. But when watched as a whole, the movie it it just felt like it felt like a D and D adventure come to life, and uh, that's all I really wanted. And yeah, 
Um, I, I don't, you know, I don't know if it'll get a sequel because I don't think it did as well as they hoped in the box office. Sure. Um, it costs like uh, it costs 150 million to make and it grossed 208 million, which is not a big take by Hollywood standards now. Yeah. So it could. It, this might just be like the only D and D movie we have for a while, which is a shame because I wouldn't mind watching a sequel with these same characters. I think that yeah. would be fun. Yeah. Um. But at the same time, you know, maybe it's best that we don't have like a crazy super franchise like the D&D multiverse sort of Marvel thing, because then you just get as fun as it would be to see these characters again and to maybe see other D&D worlds on screen. Like if you have too much of anything, then it can get a bit watered down. And, you know, the, the first Iron Man movie was great. But then, you know, now after 30 something Marvel movies, the formula has worn a bit thin for me. Um, and. Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily want the same thing to happen with D and D, right? You know, superhero movies are a completely different beast at this point, and, and it's true. yeah, I, I get tired of a lot of them. You know, even 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 the characters that I really do like, like Batman, I I often find myself feeling a bit disenfranchised by the movies. But this yeah. one felt like a breath of fresh air, and I mean, I think another part of the reason why the movie didn't do that well is because it came out around the same time as the Super Mario Brothers movie. And they were kind of competing against each other. And Mario is a bigger name, and Mario made like a bajillion dollars. Yeah. Um, and I think D and D did not quite make as much money, but apparently they did green light a D and D TV series, like that'll go on to streaming at some point. And I think B, I don't know if it'll start these characters, but it'll be a similar style. So that might be fun. No, that would be good. I could see that working pretty well. It's something episodic. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it lends itself to that, as opposed to a one sh- one shot kind of movie where you have to tie it all up. Right mm-hmm. in in an hour and a half or two hours. I mean, one thing I did like with this film is that it it does it tells a f- easily understandable story that is not too crazy epic. Like it's a heist movie. You can boil it down to one sentence. It starts small. The characters are trying to get the thing, so like the main guy can be with his daughter. Right. Um, yeah, it's like a one. Sh- it's like a one off. It's like a, one it's shot. Like, it's like yeah, it's like a one off. And I, you know, you and I have talked about this before, but. I think a, a problem that fantasy sometimes has is that it goes too big. Like not everything needs to be an epic, destroy the world, you know, sacrifice uh, the one ring, you know, armies clashing against each other. Not everything has to be that because, uh, you know, your experience with a lot of those fantasy novels that delve too deep in that direction, it just bores you. Like you can't get into it. Whereas this is, it stays small, it stays focused and you're able to easily understand it. And that's the advice that they give you when, you know, they talk about signing an accessible campaign as a dungeon master. Start small. Start small. Like yeah. have like a village under peril. Don't have a whole world under peril. Like right. give, yeah. Don't give your characters too much. Like make it easily understandable. Well, they did set the stage for that, right? Because the Sophina Red Wizard character is talking to some other big baddie above her. That is. Yeah, yeah. They they set the stage. Yeah, she's talking. She's talking with a guy named Zastam, who's like a he's an undead wizard uh, from the game, who is like oh, the okay. boss. Um, so yeah. yeah so so they set the stage for that they could potentially do that in the end you know it kind of gets into the fact that they're gonna unleash this artifact to turn everyone in the city of neverwinter into undead but but ultimately like you know it's still very down to earth as far as fa- the fantasy genre goes i think mm-hmm. yeah and i like that like i don't think fantasy always needs to be crazy epic it can be down to earth. you can tell small personal stories in a fantasy setting very successfully i think and have people relate to them um which i wish we would see more of yeah yeah i, I agree it's i mean it's kind of like um a lot of those uh 
movies that we've talked about that were you know done in the 80s right because they weren't based on anything in particular they were just a a one-shot movie uh, in, in a fantasy setting i mean mm-hmm. production values yeah. generally poor but i mean still that was the idea yeah how, how did you like it uh coming off of having played a little bit of D but not a lot and also like your point of comparison yeah. to the cartoon is a little different to mine like how, how did you enjoy it especially compared to all the other fantasy movies we talked about on this podcast uh i i was surprised i mean i actually found myself enjoying it initially i i there was like um I was like, okay, yeah, this seems like a standard kind of thing, you know, pot boiler quality. You know, it seems like it in terms of the story and what it is, it, it seems like many other movies bef- kind of that went before it uh, in terms of what it what it was trying to do and the little quips here and there. I was like, eh, okay, you know, whatever. But I think as I kind of got into it more, I didn't have the the background that you have in terms of looking for these little references. Uh, but I started to enjoy it more, uh, kind of just on its own terms. So by the end of it, uh, I was like, "Yeah, this is an enjoyable movie." You know? It's, I, yeah. What What was What was the turning point for you? I'm interested because I think some other folks have talked about it. it does have kind of a slow start, or, or like not, maybe not a slow start, but there's some. Yeah. Did, did, did it take did, did this take a while for people to get into it? Like my wife had the same kind of trajectory as you. Well, I, I think with any fantasy world, it's the initial orientation is always a bit of like a you're like it's different from what you know and so you're just trying to find something to kind of latch on to and so you're kind of like surrounded by like all everything is new and and so forth and you're like okay you know i mean some people would just like negate that and like no 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 i'm always kind of like okay well this is you know just to kind of take it for what it is uh and i think in a movie when they try to make it sort of like overly familiar with the little like jokes and stuff like that too early on, it it feels like, you know, something you'd find like on, you know, the CW or something like that, that's meant to appeal to like teenagers or something like that. And it, it, it feels inauthentic. So there was a little bit of that. I think the, the turning point was somewhere probably midway um, when they probably had assembled the team and it might have been the it, i don't know if it was the part where they were escaping from the dragon it might have been the part where i, I mean i like the scene where doric is changing from one mm-hmm. one creature to the next that was a pretty mm-hmm. cool scene yeah um i like the scene where they're they're talking to the undead warriors yeah. they're asking mm-hmm. the questions because that was that was pretty cool and that was that was that was unique i like the scene where uh simon is trying to attune to the helmet and he's not having any success mm-hmm. initially yeah. i thought some of the some of the bickering within the group was was some of that got a little annoying like they're all like uh they're all they all agreed to this particular plan knowing that it probably was a far-fetched like thing like the the chances mm-hmm. of success were were fairly slim but yet they all agreed to it and then when they start mm-hmm. bickering about well you can't do this and you th- you you guaranteed us this plan would work i was like really come on like well, you, i don't know that 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 part felt like that um you didn't really need that in the movie uh so but i think by that point though i'd already i already wanted to figure out what was going to happen mm-hmm. uh, so so it sounds like there was sort of it was, a, it, was, like, it, was one, it was a slow build. I was yeah, once once you, like the beginning, you're sort of still getting to know everyone, and you're orienting yourself with like places and faces and stuff, and it's kind of like okay, 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 okay. And then as you get to know people, 
the cool scenes start happening and you you develop that relationship with them and then by the end when they do the heist it's like okay i want to see them pull this off and the actual heist i think is cool like when they use yeah. the the staff to like to like open a hole in the portrait and stuff that that, that i think was very effective yeah i think that, um, that staff that can that can make portals between things was very creative uh i think in the beginning like it felt predictable you kind of knew what was going to happen right you knew that the guy was you knew that someone was going to die and he was going to like you know it was, it was like either a revenge story or it was like a yeah. redemption story the, the you knew they were gonna wife, probably... the, yeah the dead wife plot point is never a great one because it's right. so it's, overused right it's, it's, it's the uh what is that called there's a name for that the fridging uh, the, the fridging yeah they fridged yeah. his wife and that's yeah. you know that it, it's very convenient and not a great trope to use sure and and you knew there was going to be some stuff with the daughter, and you know it was going to be like yeah. one of those uh, one of those things. Um, I kind of wish that they had done maybe a little bit more with the daughter, where where it was less of the "you're a bad father," Wah! like that that sort of like you know like teenage. Well, age. if you if you want to see more of that same actress, you can watch Sixty Five, the movie where Adam Driver plays a spaceman stuck on Earth sixty five oh, okay. billion years ago. She plays his daughter in that one too. Okay, <laughs> where he yeah, fights dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been meaning to check that one out. I mean, I, I wish they'd done a little bit more there. Um, I kind of wish they had. Uh, if they're gonna if they're gonna go full full in with the cameo with the D and D cartoon, I wish they had done a little bit more with those characters. Meaning, like they they went to all the trouble of having them there, and I know they mm -hmm. was just supposed to be a little tiny cameo, but I wish they had shown up at the end or done something more, like mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, helped out in some way, and then the, the two yeah. the two kind of like can team up or something. Because mm -hmm. I feel like that was that was a missed opportunity. Um, but there was like little things. I mean, overall, I thought it was like an enjoyable movie. And uh, probably more so than some of the other ones we've watched for sure. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the sort of thing I probably would have really liked as a kid. You oh, know? absolutely, yeah. You know, like, uh, I absolutely would have loved it as a kid. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I, I don't know if you ever, uh, if you if you do ratings on this. I mean, I was looking at ratings on IMDb, and it's actually done pretty well. Yeah, it's done pretty well. It got, it got good reviews. I think a lot of people noticed. It probably had the same trajectory as you if, if they had played D and D. Um, and a lot of people that had played D&D enjoyed it and, and I think rated it pretty highly. Like I, when the positive reviews for it started coming out, I paid attention to it more and started looking forward to watching it more. Yeah. So I, I would give it, I don't know, I'd give it uh, four out of five stars, maybe even 4.5, eight out of 10, something like that. Like pretty high reviews. I think yeah, it's, I'd, uh, I'd probably give yeah, it a or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I think I'd rate it highly and I definitely recommend that folks see it, even if they haven't played the game. Do you think um, that uh, if, if you, what would you want to see if you were going to make another um, another a sequel or something like that? What would you want to see next? Would you want to see more of these characters if you could do uh, that, or would you want to see like like a side thing? Like I could see like you know make a movie with Zink or like you know like maybe give uh, one of these other characters like their own their own like yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing these same characters again. Um, I'd also be okay with seeing a new group of characters yeah. because to to accommodate the idea that if you play this game, you can have many characters. You, there's a million stories to be told. I wouldn't mind seeing a new group of characters having like these characters cameo, perhaps like having right, some right. of these some of these characters cameo, like just having Zeng Zeng show up like randomly. Yeah, um, I think that could be fun. Or a new story set in a different part of the world where maybe a couple of the characters cameo. Like I think that would be a fun way to do it. Right. Yeah, I think that's probably what I would yeah. most like to see. I think, yeah, uh, you know, 
other stories set in the Forgotten Realms where maybe some other characters cameo, but we can also glimpse different people, uh, you know, different cultures of the Forgotten Realms, different villains and, and storied characters from the books and the, the game. Right. I have a feeling that's not what they will do if they do make a sequel. I think it'll probably be a direct sequel dealing with like Zaz Tam, the big bad dude, and like his his plan to like have the Wizards of Fae overthrow the you know the entire Sword Coast. I think they'll probably go in more the more that direction, but they don't need to. Like they could. There's a lot of interesting places in the uh, Forgotten Realms. Like like I, I set a lot of campaigns in the city of Waterdeep, which is not mentioned too much in the movie. It's, it's mentioned a little bit. Um, yeah. There's a uh, you know. There's a lot of stuff they could do. Yeah. Uh, I, this probably won't happen, but I, I would want to see, if they were going to do a sequel, I would want to see para, like uh, not parallel universe, but sort of a, something that also happens kind of at the same time. But from the perspective of the D&D cartoon kids who yeah. uh, show them how they ended up in the in the cage. You know, show yeah. because there was a, a 29, there was, a, so the actual series was, I think, 28 episodes or something like that. And they actually made the last episode, the script for it, but they never completed it. And so yeah, they I think they, how they, I, they I never think they released like a, did they release like an audio production or yeah, something? Yeah, it's like a like, radio drama. Yeah, like a radio thing. Yeah. Um, so I, mean, I, I think, I think it's, I think it's really interesting. Like talking with you and our friend Adam, like both you and him, your primary point of reference for D&D was the cartoon. Right, so like yeah. seeing the characters in the cartoon, like that meaning for you guys is, is, it goes far beyond like just a cameo. It's like, I want to see those characters. I want to know how they ended up in the maze. I think that that's a cool perspective. Like, I don't think they will do that. I don't um, think they'll do it. Because it was because... primarily like for us, for Adam and me, it was the cartoon and it was also the D&D action figures, um, action figures uh, which yeah. were only tangentially related to both the game and the cartoon, mm-hmm. I think. But yeah. either way, like I would be curious to see, like I would like I would do the whole like, you know, world within a world kind of thing that was so prevalent in the 80s. You know, show the kids like, you know, going into that amusement park thing and then, you know, they get launched into this world and then fast forward, you know, I think they were supposed to be grownups in that movie, but I'm, I'm not really sure. But either way, show how they got there and then show how they get back, like do that whole arc, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I think that's that's one way to do it. And I don't think they will do that because I yeah, think I that think. the D&D cartoon is, there's a moment in time that it's not how the game is marketed anymore. And I think think for people that grew up with it and have fond memories of it and were primarily introduced to the franchise through that cartoon like yeah it it, it means a lot but i think to everyone else it's just people wouldn't get it right and i think that's probably why they won't do it but there was a uh brazilian car commercial i don't know if you've seen this yes i see it yeah you saw that stars yeah. the dnc kids yeah. uh which I, is pretty, they, it's a I feel pretty like cool car could, commercial i feel like they could do it uh they probably have to change the premise a little bit because originally it was like Hey, we're gonna go on this to this amusement park ride, and then they get sucked in. I mean, it didn't really make a whole lot of sense, but I mean, and they had like this little dungeon master character who's like a gnome or a wizard or something like that, and who kind of like shows up every now and then and pops out something that is not in any way helpful and then disappears. So there was like aspects of the game that you could kind of like, if you were a kid and it heard like your older brother or sister talk about this kind of stuff like that you could relate it to it on your level and play with the toys and so forth like that but i think it even in that state it didn't i don't know how much of it kind of like fit with the game um yeah i mean i think that's you know that having it in that sort of setup where it's a bunch of people from the real world who get transported into the dnd world i think it alleviates a lot of the buildup that you describe 
like the slow build up in this orientation process in the beginning of a fantasy movie where you're kind of kind of trying to find your footing and find things you can latch on to because in a situation like that the kids are the natural or the people from the real world are the natural point of focus like they say what you're thinking they react to things in a way that the audience that mirrors the audience you know right. and i think that's an effective storytelling device but at the same time i was kind of glad they didn't do it just because i was just really scared it was going to be like a cringe sort of thing where they would bring in people from the real world maybe not not even not necessarily the indie kids but like people and they'd become like oh we're in a fantasy world right now oh like like there's like a dragon dude and like i i just feel like the potential for those one-liners that i hate so much is right, so much right, greater right. when you have that set up well and i think so, they i think yeah. they could do it because they could they don't you have the cartoon there's like 28 episodes there and you can watch them whatever and so i think you could show like the very beginning and like literally probably five or ten minutes we get to this part and then and then you could you could have like a montage that says shows like they're there for years and at this point they're like you know sort of battle-hardened and used to this world and now they're but they're still trying to figure out a way to get back right now they're mm-hmm. older and so I think yeah, you, you could actually make a, a relatively serious movie out of it. And then it would be cool if they if they then show them in the cage and show show the uh, the party that we talked about in this movie from mm-hmm. their perspective. Right. Because yeah, like I think it would be the, cool. the party like Ed and his party, they see the D&D kids in the cage. They don't help them. <laughs> they run away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it would be cool. And it's it's um. Yeah, it, it's it, it's cool to 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 hear you explain your desire for that because it is kind of a difference in our experience uh, in our experience level with the game. Like you and Adam grew up with the cartoon, like you see D and D through the lens of those characters, and you'd want that. Whereas I grew up with more of the books and the actual like Forgotten Realms stuff, and I was like, I just want a story set in the Forgotten Realms. Like I think both approaches are valid and interesting. And yeah, there could be you know if if this movie got a sequel, if this movie got spinoffs, you could definitely do something like that. The the D and D cartoon kids are now starring in. A, I think that there's a comic continuing their adventures. Oh really? Um, the D, yeah, the D and D comic. Uh, one of the comic series is based off of the cartoon. So, interesting. Let's see, yeah, yeah. Um, called D and D Saturday Morning Adventures. Yeah, uh, it's being published by IDW. Hmm. So, I think that continues the story of the kids from the cartoon. But that might be a one to check out yeah, for something in these veins. Because even though I do not think they will take that approach when making movie sequels or series sequels, I can see them doing, well, maybe not that exact approach, but I can see them at least focusing on the D&D kids in a fashion that's not necessarily restricted by Saturday morning cartoon censorship laws and whatever with this series, which I think has, has been fairly well received. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at pictures of it now. Dungeons and Dragons Saturday Morning Adventures. That's what it's called. Interesting. Oh, yeah. The illustrations look fairly similar. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll have to see if I can find that. Yeah, I don't know if Adam's read it or not. Maybe he can. No, he maybe maybe he can say more. But, but uh, yeah, that's probably that's probably one to check out. And the original, um, the original Forgotten Realms and Advanced Dungeons and Dragons comics that DC put on the eighties are actually quite good if you read them from the beginning. I'll have to buy them for you at some point, just like how I bought you the Indiana Jones comics and some of these others. I'm now starting to read. You're now starting to read, and you can read them on the can. Uh, so yeah, I think you you will enjoy them when you read them all in in a row from the beginning instead of just having like issue two, issue twelve, issue seventy four. Right. Yeah. Now, have you played the the games, things like Neverwinter Nights and Baldur's Gate and Plain Saint Torment and all those ones like that? I mean, obviously we heard about them when we were kids, but 
Um, yeah, I, I mean, I've, I haven't played those ones specifically. I've been meaning to find time to play Baldur's Gate 3, but I haven't yet. Um, but I mean, I've played other computer role-playing games in that same vein, so and I've said so I know what the stories are. Um, and I've, I've run campaigns set in the Forgotten Realms, so I, I kind of know what they are. Yeah, there are other stories in this world that, you know, if you play them, you're 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 just you're um, you're you're adventurers living through historical events that are now entrenched in canon in the whole mm-hmm. Forgotten Realms canon. As is this movie, like this movie takes place in the current year of the Forgotten Realms. Like Baldur's Gate, the original Baldur's Gate games, and all of those, they take place like a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, and the timeline, you know, the timeline stays current. Okay. Well, I, I, I would finally like to check out one of those. I mean, too many other things to to check out. But if, at some point... Yeah, if, if you do, check out Baldur's Gate 3. It's most accessible. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. check out the third one. Uh, you, you'd Wonder like it. It's on the and... Steam Deck. Yeah, I think it does, it does work on the Steam Deck. Yeah. Uh, if you do if you do start playing it, let me know. And maybe I'll start playing it too. Is it a multiplayer? Sort of... mm, I might have a multiplayer function uh the sort of thing that would be right for multiplayer doesn't it like your assembly yeah i think like you know i think it does have a multiplayer function but those sort of games like they also have a lot of reading and some people like to just take them at their own pace because if you're running around doing things for the group it's like well i want to take my time and explore you know i don't want to necessarily feel pressure to like run around and and be on someone else's timetable which is an issue i've had when trying to play these games with other people but yeah i think there is a multiplayer function and i think it does run on the steam deck Let's see. I googled it. How to play Baldur's Gate 3 co-op and whether you should or should not. Uh, it does feature co-op. Uh, uh-huh. Yes, it does feature co-op. Yeah. Okay, interesting. So you, 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 yeah, you can play co-op together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks like it's, well, it, it says co-op in Baldur's Gate 3 doesn't work like it does in a lot of modern games where players drop in and out each other's world of characters that they retain control over. It's tied to a campaign save file. It's not players. I mean, that makes sense that it would be tied to the campaign yeah. that you're in mm-hmm. so it's basically just like a D game right i mean it's just like a D game and so i think it to, in order to play it effectively co-op you need to kind of be on the same page with other people that you're playing with you need to like be into like experiencing the story together and doing things together i, I tried playing another one of these games i think it was divinity original sin sim 2 uh, co-op mode and i found it quite frustrating because the guy i was playing it with just wanted to run around the map like doing random shit and i was trying to like read everything and experience the story and he was like just hoarding items yeah. and off in the corner and it did not feel collaborative at all so i yeah, think yeah yeah yeah, I so, mean, yeah it, you would need like a, a, you yeah. would need to like be like okay let's sit down and play Baldur's gate 3 together and like let's go through the story together and yeah if you want to do something like that i i, I it'd be a fun thing to play together um but it definitely like i think there has to be something like uh you have to be on the same page because otherwise it's just like well okay i don't really you know <laughs> why are we play this together it's not like say um some of the other multiplayer games that we've played together where you can kind of fuck around uh right. and do whatever while the other person is also fucking around and doing whatever yeah okay well it might be something to be something to think about i mean it's it sounds to be honest it sounds just like uh doing a D game in real time like not with a computer right so yeah yeah like yeah, there's yeah, times when you, 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 not your turn. You have to wait. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's have to check it out. All right. So let's see a couple of different things uh, from that. Um, see the comic book, Baldur's Gate 3. I've I, been meaning to, to go back and read some of these these books again, these uh, uh, Endless Quests and the other ones that, uh, you know, I cut, you know, had, or those are probably actually yours, ones, ones from there. 
-hmm. there's a um and there's actually a i think it might be dragonlance or something i think it might be a cartoon but i, I picked up a dvd somewhere oh yeah I, there was there was an animated dragonlance cartoon i think it might be a bit shite though so no, just it, just before it, it, warned yeah it's 4.4.8 out of 10 on IMDb. So okay. be warned. Okay, I picked it up for like a dollar, so it's probably like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I think I think it will appeal on some level, but not the level that expects good cinema. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, any uh, any other things to say about the D and D movie? Um, I do not have anything at the moment. I think that this basically uh basically yeah. covered it. I think it's a solid movie. I would uh, be happy to see a sequel, and I recommend that uh, folks give it a chance. All right. Well, where can go folks go to find you? Uh, folks can find me on the Twitter or the X platform now at Pixel Grotto. Um, you can also find me on Blue Sky, which is the Twitter that is not run by Elon Musk under the same Blue name, Sky. Pixel Grotto. How have you liked um, the Blue Sky? It's okay. It's it's an interesting social media platform because it's. It's very much like Twitter, but it doesn't have an algorithm. It's very much like you just see posts the way you used to on Twitter, like whoever mm. you're following. Um, it's okay. I mean, I'm mainly using it now because uh, the people that you know I, I work with and freelance with use it. So that, that's the main reason. I have a code if you want it. I can give it to you. Is it like an invite only kind of thing? Yeah, because I think it's still technically in beta. But if you want a code, I'll, I'll send it to you now. Because sure. I gave I gave two codes to our Estonian friends and that's how they got on it. So okay. sure. So yeah, it's not no, bad. It's here, I'll send you, yeah, here I'll send you a code now. You could you could set it up there. Um, it, it, there's like the same people on both, and at the moment, everyone's searching for a Twitter replacement. Well, because I think Elon Musk was planning to charge for for uh, Twitter or X or whatever it yeah. is. Who, who who the hell knows? Yeah, I just sent you your blue sky code, so okay. you could download it. It's kind of the same thing. I mean, yeah. yeah, you can follow the same people. I, I will say that it doesn't have, it doesn't have all the noise that Twitter has at the moment, which is a good thing. But it also has a smaller audience, so you might not see kind of like, you know, you might, when you scroll picture when you scroll through right. Twitter, you might just randomly find cool pictures that you want to save. You might find like a cool tweet that amuses you. It doesn't have that at the moment. It's a much smaller, tinier audience. And well, but I, I don't know. That, that, any, that, might, that might be a good thing. Any of these new things, I always do the same thing. I like a type in like hashtag Rocketeer and see what comes up. <laughs> yeah. Like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I mean yeah I, I do wonder is the Rocketeer hashtag? Uh, I don't know. I'll type in it, it, does it use does it even use that system of hashtags and stuff like that? Yeah. Oh well it's got some good stuff. Uh first post uh, oh some guys sharing pictures of his Rocketeer action figures. So oh, yeah, there cool. you go. There you go. Uh, yeah so yeah not bad. Yeah there's stuff. Yeah oh wow yeah uh Rocketeer from the long box hero line. Oh this looks like a really cool figure actually. Yeah yeah oh someone right, took a picture of oh someone took a picture of a uh, Rocketeer vending machine in Japan. Oh, oh. Well, this is already sounding better than Twitter. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Sign up for Blue Sky using the code. You can you can copy the exact same Twitter profile details you have. And... I'll set up a thirteenth hour account there. And yeah, so there you go. With the with the way Twitter's going, I don't know. Who knows, knows. what the hell's going to happen? So thank you as always, Jeremy, for joining and uh, doing this together. Absolutely. But do you have uh, any thoughts about what we what we should do next? um i do not know josh we can watch a movie uh i remember i did want to do another 13th hour campaign with you like a small campaign it's a campaign uh, another lester and claudia adventure yeah using some of the concepts we've been experimenting with 
Yeah. So we could do that if you want to. Yeah. Um, do you want to save that well, until after you uh, you move? Yeah. Well, after so I moved. Be... Yeah, I moved in the middle of the, this month, so I could. Yeah, I mean, it, it'd be good to save it until until after I move. I mean, we could save it for for whenever, really. We could save it for the new year if we want to. Yeah. But I would be, you know, I'd be free to do something next month, which yeah. gives me enough time to to mess around with with creating a little scenario. Or we could choose to watch another movie. Well, this is this movie I saw the trailer for, and it looks it looks absolutely awful. <laughs> but but however, <laughs> however, it looks like it might have good archery, so that has a plus to it. Um, let me see if I can find it. Ah, uh, yeah, here we go. It it is Robin Hood 2018. It it's sort of an alternate take on the Robin Hood legend, I guess, and it looks. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I I I remember when this came out. It looks it looks like yes. ass, but um, I there there is, there is it does look like the action sequences are quite interesting because one he uses a different bow. He doesn't use a long bow. He uses a more like Mediterranean style, and he and he does a lot of trick shots, which I think would be interesting. Yeah. I remember when this movie came out. They're like, oh, they're trying to make it like Arrow, the TV series. Um, yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Yeah, technically kind of like that. But um yeah. But I think it might be interesting to watch this one because I think it might be a real stinker, but on 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 the other hand, like there might be might be balanced out by some less cringy parts. So if you want to do that one, I would say that that's like uh that's not a bad one. Trying to think like uh of some of the ones that we were thinking about doing before. Uh there's a lot of ninja movies that I talked about, like Enter the Ninja and whatnot. Oh um yeah. 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 A lot, a lot of those. Lot of those Ninja would be good, I actually have not seen the full thing of Internet Ninja. I don't think so. That might be interesting to do. Yeah, I don't mind. Yeah, it's, it's really up to you. All right. Well, why don't we do? Why don't we? Why don't we do Robin Hood 2018? Because it'll be sort of a is it'll be sort of like a it'll follow D and D in that it is it is probably similarly campy, um, but I don't think it's going to be as good. Uh, yeah, I, I you know I don't know if it's campy. I think it might take itself seriously. Um, the I'm trailer sure. looks like it looks like it's kind of I don't know you know the tra- it's hard to know from the trailer because the trailer D wasn't very good and it would turn out to be yeah a it wasn't very good movie. yeah okay so yeah. I mean maybe it's a good movie I mean I, I got got I think this one got horrible reviews but then again like I don't know disagree with the critics so I mean you know the Washington Post described the film as a chilly and flavorless frap of historical speculation revisionist folklore and every lazy action movie cliche ever written. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, I, I, it, it probably is all of those things. I mean, have you I, seen the movie The Musketeer that came out in like the early two thousands and has like parkour in it? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, this may be of that ilk. I mean, I think I know what you're there's, talking. Um, about. There's a two thousand film, two thousand and one film called The Musketeer, which stars like D'Artagnan as the fourth musketeer. Yeah, but I remember it's got like martial arts and like parkour and stuff in it. Um, because it was oh, it had it, it was choreographed by like a Hong Kong stunt dude. Okay. Um, uh, this may be the movie we should watch later at some point, but I actually have not seen that one, and it's it's in a similar vein as what was that French movie that is that it's about werewolves, but they're also Brotherhood like, of the Wolf. Yeah, it's also like Brotherhood of the Wolf, where there's it's got like it takes place in Europe, but it's got like martial arts. So The Musketeer is another movie that that we should watch. But yeah, I'm ha- I'm happy to watch watch um Robin Hood. Yeah. I mean, Robin Hood yeah. is like it's it's how much can you screw that story up? Um, we'll see. We shall see. So, yeah, 
I would say, yeah, why don't, why don't we, we can talk offline about a time when you want to do that, but like, yeah, yeah, why don't, why don't we, why don't we aim for that? And then maybe we could try one of those, uh, then you can pick whatever, either that Musketeer one or maybe like a ninja movie or something like that. Sounds good. Oh, yeah. Here, let me show you the trailer for the Musketeer. I'll, I'll just drop it in, in our, in, in a, in a text to you, but yes, it, it is. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to watch that one at some point. <laughs> okay. All right. Sounds good, Jeremy. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you for coming on. And, and uh, thank you all for listening. Talk to you guys next time. See ya. Hey, a couple last minute things before you go. Thanks for listening to this show. If you liked it, you can find many more on the website 13thhr.wordpress.com or on your favorite podcasting platform. You can often find behind the scenes information about this show and other things that I do on social media, such as Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You'll see links to those in the show notes. Sometimes people will ask me, how can I help contribute to the show or other things that, that I do? And probably one of the easiest ways is by going over to Facebook and looking up the Facebook group called 13th Hour Arts. And it's a place for not only to discuss these kinds of things, but also for you to share your own creative process and the things that you're doing that bring meaning to your life. You can also do things that are entirely free, such as leaving a review for a book, music, this particular podcast, share it with friends, subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform, email me, W-R-I-T-E-J-O-S-H-U-A-B-L-U-M at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your suggestions and comments. You can also leave a one-time donation over at Coffee, and that's K-O-F-I slash 13THHR. It's basically like a virtual tip jar, kind of like the sort of thing like a piano player might have at a bar or something like that. For a small amount, you can also leave a donation on a monthly basis at Patreon, and that helps bring new things to this particular show and to support future projects. And that's at 13th Hour Arts. It's also a place for patrons to share their own creative process and the things that bring inspiration and meaning to them. I hope by sharing a little bit of the creative process in this particular show, it gets people to cultivate that aspect of their own life and to remember that those things are important even if you are an adult and you may not have time for it. Hopefully by paying attention to those aspects of your own life, you can remember your own dreams and aspirations and help create a world and make a world that you want to be in. And at the end of the day, that's sort of what the 13th hour is about. So thanks as always for listening, and I'll talk to you guys next week.